Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, Cardinals are ahead by 10 so far. I just want you to know that. They're doing so well, it makes me wonder if they got saved or something. Hey, we're, uh, this is the second week in, uh, in a series that we're calling Stories That I Learned in Sunday School. And that really, for me, comes, up with, comes out of the fact that I, I grew up in church, and the, the culture of our church, the way we did church was Sunday morning at 9.30, we had Sunday school. And we all came in, and all of us went to age-appropriate classes, and, and we learned all of the stories of the Bible. And the adults had their adult class. It was in the 100 building, which for them was the 100 building. We called it the sanctuary. And... Uh, and so I, I grew up with that, and I, I just wanted to, to take our church family back through some of the stories that I remember from Sunday school. Some of the, some of the, the things that God did, especially in the Old Testament, then in the New, we learned them both in Sunday school. But things that happened that, that were intentionally recorded so that you and I could, could look back and see what God had done through the years with his people. And, and, and not only we could look back and see what he did with his people as, as, the, his, as, as, as civilization moved forward and its relationship with God or those who did not have a relationship with God, but as it moved forward, not just know what happened, but understand completely that in every one of those stories, in every one of those pieces of history, there was a truth that, they, that their life learned. And there was a truth that came out of that story that you and I could apply in our lives today. And so that's what we're doing. And as we open up in Genesis, we're going to look today at Noah. We're going to look at Noah and the big flood, Noah and the ark. Some of you, uh, some of you, there are movies that 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 have come out in years since, and and some of them comedies, but all of them look back at this story. Now, when I use the word stories in this series, I want to make sure that we as a church understand that sometimes when we hear the word stories, we think, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Well, every single one of the stories in the Bible, they're pieces of history, and I believe they're absolutely true. I believe every one of them happened. And this story of Noah is one that, that I, I think has, has real clarity, and, and Noah has something to say to you and I. When I open up with Genesis, you know what I see? I see God's creation. He makes his purposes clear. He stops and he says to you and I, I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for what I created. And he not only, he not only does that, he reveals in early in Genesis before the story of Noah, he reveals his nature. So God starts off in Genesis revealing that the fact that he's got a plan and a purpose for everything. And he also reveals his nature to us. He's the creator He's the sustainer. So, you know, some of us in our culture think that, that the, the world we live in and the universe that that is a part of is so frail. We think that some of the things that we do are, are going are gonna to destroy that. Now, listen, this is God's creation. I'll talk about this in a few more minutes. This is his creation. 
as believers, as, as, as a group of people who believe in God, nobody should take care of God's creation better than us. I, I'm all for recycling. I, I, I just wish that, that we would find a better way to do that. I'm all for of taking care of, I, I think that we do need to get the plastic bottles out of the ocean. I, I think that's a good thing. And, and this is, if it's God's creation, we are his created and we are his children in this family. Nobody should take care of it more than us. Last Sunday when I got here, here's what I did. When I drove up, I come from the west side, and I, as I drove past our office buildings, and I drove past that, the, 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 the next part of our property, and, and then past this 100 building, there were so many pieces of paper, and, 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 and there were soda cans, and there, were, there was a, actually a broken bottle, and then there was a whiskey bottle, and not from any of our staff. This was people just kind of leave things there for us. And, 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 and when I pulled in, I went and I grabbed a trash bag, and I started all the way on the west side, and I walked all the way across, across the front of our property, picking up different things and putting them in that bag. And there was even a piece of styrofoam that, that had come from a construction site somewhere. But, but here's the reality. When I drove up, all of that stuff was there, and it just didn't look great. And so I took a few minutes, and I walked through, they picked it all up, put it in the bag, we threw the bag in the trash. Everybody that came to our church campus after me didn't have to look at all that stuff. As a matter of fact, the front of our facility just looked nicer. And, and, and I, be, I believe that we, we need to do that. We need to take care of what he has given to us. And then as we go through Scripture, we, we learn that, that God also values us. In Genesis, we learn that we were created in his image. He made us in his own image. He created us with great value. We learn that so quickly there. He's our sustainer, our judge, our redeemer. We are made in his image. And then he saved us by his grace. In a fallen and broken world, he saves us by his grace. And if Noah, listen, if Noah were to step down through the, through the staircase of time and eternity and onto this platform this morning, he would look you and I square in the face. And Noah would say to you and he would say to me, one person can make a difference. Any one person can make a difference. And believe it or not, God's plan and God's purpose for your life and for my life is to make a difference. Noah, when his family, jumping way out in the story, we'll come back to where we are now, but jumping way out in the story, Noah's family and himself. See, God put Noah and, and his wife and his sons and their wives into the ark with all the animals. But when it was all said and done and, and God said, gave him permission to come out of the ark, Noah comes out of the ark in Genesis chapter 8. And he says this, he says, I know he would stand on this stage if he could look at you and I, and he would say, I know, because when God decided, I know, I know one life can make a difference because when God decided to destroy the earth with water, he made a covenant with me. He made a promise to me. 
He made a covenant with me so that mankind might not perish. Noah would say, my life made a difference for all of humanity because God, because he found me, God chose. He made a covenant with me so that mankind might not perish. In a few minutes, we'll look at exactly what that means. But I want to jump in here and let, 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 me, let me bring you up to date. Let me bring you this whole story of Noah. Let's look at the condition of the world in Noah's time. Genesis chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of man had become. We think it's bad in our day. No comparison to what was going on in Noah's day. The Lord, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of man had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil at the time. Civilization as a whole had fallen to a level that was so bad that only evil was not just happening, but that's what the very thought process was. And the way you think determines the way you feel, which determines how you act. And that's where this entire culture was. And then he goes on to say that the human heart was only evil all the time. On verse 6, the Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth, and his heart, the heart of God, was deeply troubled. Well, James, are you, is the Bible saying that God is saying that he made a mistake? No. See, God never changes his thinking. God knows everything. There's nothing he doesn't know. And he has all power. And God can do everything and understand everything. But, it's, but God's heart here was broken. The reason that God's heart was broken is because that he, he, was, he was experiencing sorrow because of what the people had done. And what the people did, what the entire culture did, was they actually chose sin and death over a relationship with God. That, that, that's, the, that's the absolute result of their thought processes which rolled out in their lifestyle. Goes on to say, and actually this wasn't just a short period of time. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, it actually talks about the fact that God, God didn't do this suddenly. It, it, it says in Genesis chapter 6, it says that he actually gave the culture 120 years to, to begin to change this, and they never did. Verse 7, so the Lord said, I will wipe the face of the earth, wipe the face of the earth, um, uh, man whom I have created, and with him the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah, in verse 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. God. One version says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, out of all of this, God saw that Noah was different. God saw that Noah had integrity. God saw that Noah was obedient. 
God saw that Noah was listening to what God was saying, and he was obeying. Unlike everybody else in the culture, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So what does God do? He says, Noah, I want you to build an ark, and you need to read this whole story. I'm, only, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling verses out here to kind of throw the story at you, but there are so many more details in this story that you need to read. And this isn't going to be hard to find when you get home or tonight when you get, get in your bed and you're all comfy and, and you sit up and you open up your Bible. It's the first book you come to. It's called Genesis. In the beginning, and very quickly, you'll get right to the story of Noah. As it, as it continues on here, he says, he tells Noah to build an ark. And then in chapter 7, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you, your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation, like no one else. Verse 2, take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and a female, one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and a female. Now, I don't have time to go into all of that, but maybe we will at some point. Verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah did every single thing that God asked him to do. Not many of us, not many of us could say that that was us. I know I, I couldn't. But it says, Noah did every single thing that the Lord commanded him to do. Verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. Back in early civilization, the scripture is so clear about recording, people lived much, much, much longer. It was so close to the time of creation, and, and so much had not happened in the, in the world to change that. Noah was 600 years. He was... He was 10 times older than I am, and God comes to him and asks him to build this huge boat. I'm in the middle of renovating our laundry room, and, and, and I, 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 picked, I pick a cabinet up, and I put it on top of the washer and dryer, and they're still in the laundry room while I'm renovating it because I don't want to bother taking them out. So I put the cabinet up on top of the washer and the dryer, and I take the doors off, and I, I take the shelves out, and I get them as light as I possibly can. And I pick the cabinet, and I pre-drill them so I don't have to fuss with all that. I pre-drill them, I actually put the screws in place. But then I pick the cabinet up, and I put it in place, and I moan, and I grunt, and I make all kinds of noises just putting up a cabinet. And Moses is 10 times older than, than, than I am, and, and he and his couple of sons build this huge boat. 600 years old. And to, to, just to help you shape this, you know, if you read the story, you'll hear, you'll see all the measurements. As a matter of fact, you'll see all the instructions that God gives him, tells him how to do, what, what to do, what sizes, and the whole deal. This thing is not just a boat. This thing is, if you're familiar with our 400 building, the four, it's, it, this boat that Noah is building is exactly the same width of that building. But it's three times as long and two times as high. Just so you can begin to wrap your brain around what he is building. And then in verse 18, the waters rose and increasingly greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. 
people, animals, creatures, only Noah was left and all of those with him in the ark. And then he goes on in chapter 8. He gives us more clarity. On the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. Now, Mount Ararat is actually in the country that we now know today of as Turkey. In the mountain regions of Turkey is where the ark came to rest. And then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, verse 16, you and your wives and your sons and their wives. In verse 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord. And it goes on to be descriptive at God's response. Noah builds this altar. He places a sacrifice on this altar, and he burns this sacrifice. And the Bible tells us that God was pleased with the aroma that came from that sacrifice. From a fallen and a broken world, the worst depravity that you and I could ever imagine, and God is so heartbroken over where civilization had ended, and he wipes it all clean. And Noah, in obedience, in a sacrifice of worship, builds an altar. And the aroma from that, from that altar and from that sacrifice and the richness of the obedience in those lives hits the nostrils and God's senses. And God is pleased, the Bible says. And God makes a promise. Never again will I curse the ground because of humans no matter how bad it gets. And you and I live in the benefit of that promise. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from child, no matter how bad it gets, I will never destroy the earth or humankind again with a flood. The creator of the universe made this promise. Why? Because one Man made a difference. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. It's the same thing he said to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and fill the earth and increase in number. Be fruitful and multiply. As I open up God's word, when he talks to his creation, when he talks to his children, that's what he says, physically and spiritual. Be fruitful and multiply. I got to tell you, the culture around us, the nations around us, and even in our nation, the opposite message is being preached. The opposite message. China, you're allowed one kid I don't know how you do this, but one and a half is the average. Here in America, we're, we're getting closer to that ourselves. The nations around the world, the United Nations, they're putting out this message that we, we, need, we need to cut back on civilization. You, you should only have, the, a family should only be two kids, maybe, maybe 2.5, good luck with that. When the creator of the universe says, be fruitful and multiply, this is my idea, God says, be fruitful and multiply. So many areas in our culture, God's word is saying one thing, and the culture around us is saying something else. 
I don't care how intense the voices get. I'm going with this. I am. This is the word of the living God. The one who created you, designed you, sustains you, created this planet. He will sustain this planet long after we're gone. As a matter of fact, he, in Scripture, he's given us what he's going to do with it at end times. So you really don't even have to worry. Should we protect it and take care of it? Absolutely. But there are ideas out there now that are so whacked it isn't funny. But if your life, if the very hope that you have is based on the premise that not only us, but this planet, this universe was designed and created by God, and not only is he the designer, he is the sustainer. It is who he is, and he will do it. Yeah, let's take care of it. I'm having a hard time stopping on this issue. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Be fruitful. Noah would stand before you and I here this morning, and there are some things that he would tell us. Number one, he would tell you, you can make a difference for your family. I don't care if you're daddy, mommy, or the kids. Dad, you've got a great opportunity to be the father that God has called you to be, to lead your family. Mom, you can be the, you can be the best mom a child could ever have. And kids, we can influence our families by what we do. High school, it's a big deal. Your choices matter more than you could ever imagine. Junior high school, same thing. Noah would say, you can make a big difference in your family. Generation, in, in Genesis, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. He tells Noah, go ahead into the ark. And because of who you are, Noah, take your wife with you. Take your sons with you. And take your sons' wives with you. Noah makes a difference in all of their lives. A life of integrity and obedience always impacts other people around us. We think we're just changing our life. We are changing the lives around us. It's so clear. God chose Noah because of the way he lived. John Maxwell put, put, kind of put it this way. John Maxwell says, the closest people to you benefit the most when you do what's right. The closest people to you are the ones who benefit the most when you do what's right. When we walk through our days and we walk through our week, we have decisions to make. And we come to a place and we're, well, this decision would be right. And if I went this way, I don't know, it could be kind of, it. No, we, we, and deep inside we know it's wrong. But making that right decision doesn't just affect us, it affects the people around us, close to us the most. And we know, we know that all too often we've watched people around us, maybe even ourselves, we've made a wrong decision and we've watched how the people closest to us were hurt 
the most. This, this has power in a positive direction and destruction in a negative direction. When you do what's good and what's right, you are doing far more than you could ever imagine. And that's what, that's what God was asking for, and Noah was being obedient. Second thing that Noah would stand here, and he'd say to you, and he'd say to me, he would say, you can make a difference for the next generation. Matter of fact, he would stand here and look at you, and you know what he'd say? You are making a difference for the next generation. So you're here on a Sunday morning because you want to know what God's Word says about how you should live. You want to know what God's Word says about how you can, in your relationship with God, get closer. And in your relationship with His body, in His family, how, how you can get better at that. Noah would say, you are doing it. Keep on doing it. It's a big deal. Noah would say, God made a covenant with me that affected everybody all the way down through history just because I was obedient, just because I did what he asked me to do. And we're thinking, well, Noah was probably some, some really spiritual guy. He, he, he probably never did anything wrong in his lifetime. And, and so and there's a reason that God chose him and and Noah would, would stand here and say to you, you know, you don't know everything about me. And if you knew everything about me, you would think, oh, my God, history is going to be determined by what I do? The Bible even tells us about a time later on in his life where Noah gets smashed. He gets drunk and naked, and I'll stop there. That'll leave an image with you. Hundreds of year old guy naked, take that home with you. Noah made a covenant with God, but because of that and because of that covenant, you and I are safe. Our, our planet will never be destroyed by flood again. When you influence people positively, you influence them long past the time that you are still there. Our positive influence has ripples in the lives of our family and beyond, and it will continue on. A chain of influence will just continue on, and it will outlast you. I can think about my dad who's gone home to be with the Lord, my mom who's gone home to be with the Lord. They lived this. One set of parents... As a matter of fact, three of my grandparents really lived this. Another one kind of left us a don't do this list. But my parents lived this. And all five of us kids are, are living out the ripples of how they live. And the grandkids are now living out the ripples of how they lived chain of influence. We had a great time here Friday night with sisterhood. It was an absolutely great night for ladies and those of us guys who were here. But I saw this process even at sisterhood on Friday night. I watched so many of our families. I watched Frank and Joy. Frank and Joy both serving and their son Elijah was serving. I watched George and Candace serving and all their kids were serving. 
I watched Anna and Izzy and their kids serving and, and other families. I, I watched it all happening and our family as well. This very process was rolling itself out in our church family. See, Noah would say, you have an opportunity. You can make a difference for your family, for future generations, and you can make a difference for God's creation. In his creation, you can make a difference. That's point number three in your notes. No one will ever impact the world probably like Noah. It'll probably never be done on that level again. But the reality is we have the opportunity to make our little corner better than we found it. It is his creation. We need to take care of it. And we can do that in all sorts of simple ways. It was me with my plastic bag last week. We can, we can actually make our house, it doesn't have to be the fanciest, it doesn't have to be the most, of, but, it, but if we keep it clean and nice looking, we, we improve our neighborhood. We, we're intentional about that here on our campus. Most of our staff members, if they're walking across the parking lot and they see a piece of paper, they will bend down and pick it up. They won't leave it there for custodians to get it. They'll bend down and pick it up. God's creation. We each have our little corner. If you have a yard sale, when the yard sale's done, go and take the signs down. Just saying. Noah would stand here and he'd say, you can make a difference for God. You can make a difference for God in big ways and small ways. There's a passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for people who are willing to stand in the gap. He's looking for people whose very hearts, like Noah, want to do the things that God is asking them to do. And he loves to partner with people who love him. He loves to partner with his church family. God was discouraged at where creation had gone, but Noah's relationship with God changed history. The fifth thing I might tell you is you can make a difference at any age. Any age whatsoever. We don't think that. We put limitations on ourselves. We think, well, I'm not talented. You know, Elijah can get up here and lead like he leads. I don't have no talent. We, 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 I'm not talented, we say. We, I'm, I'm not intelligent enough. Or I'm not spiritual enough. Or I'm too young. Or I'm, I'm too old. Or, and we put these limitations on God. And all he says is, listen, my, my eyes are looking everywhere. I just want somebody who's willing. I, I, I'm not asking hard stuff. I'm looking for somebody who's obedient. One person can always make a difference. Serving. Serving is letting go of the restrictions. Being here on a Sunday morning is being obedient. Being here 
on Friday night if you're struggling with an issue and celebrate recover is being obedient. Sisterhood was a great example of that. You say, but, but James, those are just little things. There was a song that wasn't even from my generation. It was from my parents' generation. And I remember all through life hearing my mom and my dad sing this song. And I'm not going to sing it for you this morning because I'm just not in that singing old song kind of mood. But it was something to the effect of little is much when God is in it. Measure not by wealth or fame. And then it went on. In other words, the smallest task. The Bible tells us clearly that if we bring a glass of water to a child, it's a big freaking deal. Big deal. That is who he is. You know, Jesus fed 5,000 men. Got Bible scholars tell us, well, it talks about the 5,000 men, but the reality is there were 5,000 women and there were children. It just wasn't recorded. So we're talking 15,000. But it was a little boy who brought Jesus the loaves and the fishes that Jesus took and then fed the 15,000. Too young? We're never too young. Too old, 600 years, and going to build a boat? Noah entered the ark, and it started to rain. The Bible says he was 600 years old. You can be here with our MA55 group on Tuesdays. Noah would turn to you and I and give us some words of encouragement. Noah would say to you and I, as he stood here and looked us square in the face, don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. I know what it means to stand out in the crowd, he'd say to you. I know exactly what it means to stand out in the crowd. Nobody encouraged me to follow God, and yet I stood for God. The whole world laughed at me. See, difference makers are different. Difference makers are different. Noah would say to you, and I don't be afraid to be different. And then he'd go on to say, and don't be afraid to do something, even if it was only for the, it's, even if it had never been done before, even if this is the first time nobody ever built a boat that large or anywhere near it. As a matter of fact, God asked me to build it where I was. And there was no river nearby, there was no ocean nearby, and it had never rained. But God told me to do it, and so I did it. It was strange to build a boat there. Noah would tell you, and he'd tell me, don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. And... Noah would say, I was more concerned with obeying God than looking foolish. The most important thing to me, Noah would say, was that I was being obedient to my creator. Even though he asked me to do stuff that had never been done before, he'd look you and I square in the face and say, one person can make a difference right there in your family, you know that God is tugging on your heart to make 
a difference in your family. Dads, God is tugging on your heart to make a difference. Mom, God's tugging on your heart. We have families in our church who are here because their junior high school kids brought them here. Our junior high school kids brought mom and dad to church. Noah, every time you see a rainbow, God says, every time you see a rainbow, I want you to remember that one person can make a difference because all of humanity was changed. History was changed because Noah was willing to be obedient. I, I never realized it, Noah says. I would, I'd, I'd never seen a rainbow, but every time I saw one after that, I knew that one person can make a difference. Stand with me this morning. There may be something going on in your life, and you know without a doubt God is calling you to make a difference. And I would stand here, Noah, right next to me. I'd look you square in the eye, and I'd tell you, do you really want to listen to the world around you or the other voices or whatever it is, or do you want to listen to the very voice of God that is giving you real clarity in your heart, and you know it, and you can make a difference. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, you know the reality of that in some of our lives. Some of us struggling with a physical illness. For some of us, it's relational, and it may even be financial. And for some of us, there's, there's something that you have for us, and, and, and you've been leading our heart on this. Lord, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit this morning would impart the courage needed, would, would be the force that just leans over the line in the decision of, yes, I'm going to do what God is asking me to do. And if you're here this morning and, and you've actually never taken the step of allowing Christ to be your Savior, in a fallen and a broken world, the reality is we need a Savior. And God sent His Son, you and I, we all know the story at Christmas time, in the form of a baby, to be, the, to be our Savior, the Christ child. And He, and he lived and, and He laid His life, He let them nail Him to a cross, laid His life down, paying the price for our sin, which we could never do. On the third day, He rose from the dead, God proving without question that this is His Son, and this is our Savior. And, and, and you and I, by, a, by simply believing that fact, by recognizing that God sent His Son for my sins, to pay the penalty for my sins, just believing that takes us and places us inside of His family. As believers, we, we call it born again. It actually makes us spiritually alive. We become part of God's family. 
And we will forever be with him when we leave this planet. And, and he'll be with us throughout our lifetime here. And this will be our family. If you've never done that, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just to keep this comfortable and simple. If you'd like to do that, you say, James, I want to do that. It's as simple as it believing that factor. So just slip your hand up. James, I want to do that. Put it right back down. Do it with me this morning. Yes. 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 Father, thank you for these four hands this morning. And more importantly, you see the hearts. You see the recognition, the understanding that, that we believe you are who you say you are. Father, I pray for each one of these lives this morning as they begin their walk with you and with your family. And I would tell you this morning, he is your creator. But now he is not just your creator. He's your savior. He's your Lord and savior. And we celebrate with you this morning. I'd encourage you to get baptized as you leave here this morning. Maybe some of you have never taken that next step. I'd encourage you to do it. Father, as we wrap this service up, as we sing another song for you, Lord, bless us as we continue our worship, as we continue our steps in following you in the waters of baptism, and bless our prayer team after the service as they come up here this morning. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen. amen.